Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Andy Murray is a singles tennis player. Once more, he has played. He has lost against Richard Gasquet in Cincinnati. And myself, David Law, and Matt Roberts are here to talk all about it. It was a loss, Matt. But I think there were there were reasons from a Murray's perspective to be relatively hopeful. I, I certainly thought so. I mean, I think he looked... He, he didn't look in great shape at the start. I mean, he looked an absolute mess, nerves-wise. Um, we know now that he's not going to play in the US Open singles. He's going to play doubles and mixed doubles. What 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 were your impressions of, of what you saw? How, how, what, what, did it go as you'd have expected it to have gone, given he's not played for, what, seven months in the singles? I think it more or less did, yeah. I think our view of the match can't really exist in a bubble. We have to remember the context of which Murray came into this match, as you said, not having played for six or seven months, having had the hip resurfacing surgery, having only started practicing singles a couple of weeks ago. And when you consider all that, I thought he actually played pretty well. Um, It was a nervy, tentative start, which he admitted. uh, And he said something in his press conference, which was really interesting, I think, where he said, he was slow getting to balls, not not because his hip was hurting, but because he's developed bad habits for compensating for the fact that his hip has been hurting for so long that he's not going to balls with that explosiveness that, that we're used to seeing from him. But what we did see throughout the match was that he grew into it and he became looser, he became freer and he started hitting the ball a bit bigger and reaching balls that he wasn't reaching in the first set. And in that way, it sort of reminded me of the Bautista Agu match in Melbourne where he really grew into yeah. that one. I think then it was more out of defiance a little bit more, but equally we kind of saw him, saw his body start responding a little bit more the way he wanted it to. And I think that happened today. And by the end, I thought it was quite encouraging mm, what we saw. Yeah, because I mean, at the start, he, he walked onto the court with his phone 
I, I would imagine videoing the experience of walking out onto a singles tennis court again for the first time in in seven months, which was yeah, it was quite touching really to to, to see that and uh, and see how much that moment is something that he wanted to 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 hold, I suppose, as a as a memory and be able to play it back again. Mm. Um, and yeah, this is the this is the sit to pass world we're living in now, where uh, where you have to film and vlog your content. <laughs> yes, it's it's like it's like people at football matches who watch penalty shootouts and they video them and take pictures of them at the same time. You kind of think, wouldn't it be slightly better to just experience it in real <laughs> yeah. life rather than watching it through the little lens of your your phone? But I think we can uh, we can forgive Andy Murray that one. He he'll be able to show his daughters uh, that video as well which will be a really nice uh, memory for for them but i mean when he when he started the match he he seemed really sluggish to me and really unsure of how much or even though he's played all this doubles even though he's played all these practice sets he he was he's still unsure isn't he about that last 10% or so about how hard he can push himself into the corners I think I think it was very interesting what he said you mentioned it in the press comments about developing the bad habits and and that he'd, he'd got used to not running for drop shots because it hurts so much for 18 months and well it doesn't hurt now he can run for them and yet he's still not running for them so um, he, he has got to develop that ability to 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 not react in that way but I also thought the other thing is the nerves were were just overwhelming him. He he looked absolutely exhausted early on to me, as though the the whole occasion was was making him short of breath, maybe a little lightheaded, and and I can really relate to that. Sort of doing something that is something you haven't done for so long. I mean, even on a non physical level, I know that when I and I've been commentating on the radio for twenty years, and I know that if if I haven't done it for a couple of months or, or, or three or four months, more specifically, and I'll come to Wimbledon having not commentated since the Australian Open, I know that the first match that I do, I'm absolutely exhausted afterwards because I'm not used to it, I'm not hardened to it, and I'm a bit nervous about it, even though I've got all this experience. And that's that's without having to actually do anything physical and, and take <laughs> on one of the world's best in uh, players at the same time. So I can understand it and... But I did feel like he worked his way through that and actually started to make it pretty competitive against Richard Gasquet, who was playing decently. Yeah, I think if if he'd been playing someone a little bit more ruthless than Gasquet at the start, that first set could have got a little bit ugly. Like He was too loved down, wasn't he, Mary? And then he had to really struggle to hold serve, but he did. And then you kind of felt the nerves disappear a little bit and he was into the match. But equally, had he been playing someone not quite as good as Gasquet... He might, he could legitimately have won. You know, his his tennis was there. It wasn't all there, but it was there well enough for him to be able to compete with Gasquet, who last week had a really good week in Montreal and was playing some really good tennis, not to help Kane Ishikori, who I rather stupidly picked to win the title. Um, <laughs> so Murray's tennis instincts were all still there. It's just about the physicality and not just the fitness, but also working up his muscles to be able to play in the same way that he used to, get that beefiness back on the serve and hit his forehand harder. And that will come with with time and with matches and with hard work. Um, but I thought for a first run, apart from the first couple of games, 
it was positive overall. Mm, yeah, it's um, it was an interesting one towards the end of the match when when we knew what was going to happen results wise, um, and then your mind goes forward to the U.S. Open, and we were having a, a chat in our little WhatsApp world about whether we felt he would he would play the U.S. Open or not. And and I must say, my my immediate instinct was, well, why why wouldn't he play? I, I know that he's not going to win it. I know he's not going to maybe even win a match but but I sort of thought why wouldn't he play because I remember Stan Wawrinka turning up at the Australian Open a year and a half ago and saying look I've got to start somewhere um, so let me just get used to it over the best of five and I thought that maybe Murray might do the same thing however today was the day that they announced the wild cards for the US Open of which Andy Murray I guess would need one. Um, although he he could have used his protected ranking to have gone mm. in, couldn't he? Yeah, he um, could have done. But you know, he chose not not to do that. And 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 actually, he said in his press conference that even if he had have decided to to leave it right until the last minute, he probably wouldn't have played. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised by that, but you know, I've been getting surprised by Andy Murray for the last fifteen years. Yeah, I thought he. Based on what I saw today, I thought that he might play. I I had also overlooked the the wild card issue. I think just comparing it to last year. I mean, he played the U.S. Open last year, and he's in a much better position now. So that, but I suppose he also has got a long term plan now. Then he and he he wouldn't want to jeopardize his future by rushing into a decision and playing five sets because he knows now that as long as he's pain free, he can build incrementally and steadily um i also think it will be quite nice for him to be able to take a little bit of time and not have another hurdle right in front of him that hurdle being five Mm. sets because his whole year has been about taking these leaps of faith you know undergoing the surgery then getting back on court then playing doubles now playing singles it's just been a it's just been a series of hurdles for him yes and and now he's got a little bit of time the next Best of five isn't until next year now, if he's not playing the US Open. So he can now just build over best of three with his singles. He's, he's entered those events in China that you mentioned yesterday on the podcast with Catherine. And, you know, he can he can kind of, it's all on his time now. And he's the one kind of dictating the decisions rather than having to be dictated by needing a surgery or needing to get back to this. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, and actually, I... I kind of feel when I look at that schedule and hear the way he's talking he sees it so much more long term now than than I probably ever really expected um it it doesn't really matter that he's not going to play US Open singles he is going to play doubles he is going to play mixed doubles so he'll have the experience of going there and and being competitive and but it's all about building and he intends to build for the long haul here. He wants to do it properly. And and I, I also found it interesting. He, he said, I, I didn't really want to play and not be that bothered about the result, not just be a tourist and happy to be out there. And, and I'm happy to say that I'm really quite disappointed sitting here at the way things went. I, I, I felt I, I could have done better. I want to do better. And now I can take the information from this match and onto the practice court and start working on all those things that, that weren't functioning the way I would want them to work. And um, yeah, it's, it seems to me that 
Well, the old Andy Murray's back, really, in terms of just putting his career right at the forefront. I mean, look, obviously his family's the most important thing to him in his life, but the, there's a clear desire to be a tennis player at the highest level again. And he's he's just going to keep on building and doing all the things that he knows work for him over the course of a of a 15-year career, obviously with the, the new element of, of the hip. But the hip doesn't appear to be causing him any distress anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly as you said, he said, I thought that my perspective would have changed completely on this. And it hasn't because I'm sitting here disappointed, which is a good thing. And we've we've spoken that about that a lot, I think, this year, haven't we? How we do like it when players are disappointed after a loss. That That means that they feel something and they're working towards something. And Murray is back in that space again as a competitive tennis player okay he's it's kind of one step at a time building blocks but he's there now um I thought I thought it was a little bit of a shame that the atmosphere was a little bit flat um Mm. I was kind of all, all day I've been trying to transport myself back to what it was like in Melbourne at the time you know what Catherine was saying on the podcast about how how we adjust to a new normal. I wanted to feel like I felt in Melbourne again. So I've, I've been listening to the podcast that we did back then and reading the Twitter feeds from people back then. And the overwhelming feeling was that, in a way, was a kind of perfect send-off. We were all saying it because, because the atmosphere was so great, because Murray had rinsed every last out, 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 ounce out of himself in that match. And just, I think you used the word sort of, he went into his career and found what he's all about to be able to make that match competitive against Bautista Agu in Melbourne. And he received such warmth and such love from the crowd that it did feel like a, a, a perfect send-off. And today was a little bit anticlimactic in comparison to that. But I asked on I asked on Twitter what people were feeling when Murray came out and came out onto the court. And we had some really nice responses, people saying they were inspired encouraged proud nervous excited and that's the point of Andy Murray isn't it he does he does make you feel all those things the the specific feeling that you are having people will be having different ones but the very fact that Murray's on court makes you feel makes you care and I think there are some players who simply don't have that effect but Murray that's one of the things I think people have missed about Murray and albeit the the crowd in Cincinnati was maybe a little less than I would have hoped but I think you you got the sense you know we're doing a podcast about it people people are writing about it people are talking about it and that is what is is what we've been missing from Andy Murray it's just it's just so nice to have him have him back yeah it is actually I felt he gave and he's he's spoken a lot about the time he was without tennis and the feelings that he went through but he he was asked in his final I think his final question in that press conference tonight was about other sort of things that he's he's kind of learnt about himself in, in the off time and habits and etc that that he might have developed and and he said the the biggest thing with coming back is that when he was in all that pain and and he wasn't able to play he was really worried about what he would do with himself without tennis and. He said, the moment I had that surgery and wasn't in pain anymore, I realized I'm okay with it. I'm actually, I'm, I, I do know what I want to do or I, I am okay without tennis. And I think that the, 
that's just liberated him, really. That's enabled him to attack this period of his career that he didn't expect he would ever have and to do it with 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 a great attitude and a slightly and maybe maybe this is a sign of it really the fact that he's not going to play the US Open the fact that he's not going to take this chance is is a sign that he he's not in a rush he, he's okay he can he he's not thinking oh I've I'm 32 years old I need to play this US Open the Grand Slam and and get back out there and compete for the titles because he's not ready yet in in at that level and he's not happy he's not prepared to to settle um in that way mm. I also think he's going to be a really fascinating player to watch as a tennis player over the next few months because he'll be figuring out what he can do what he can't do and It'll be interesting to see whether he does have to adjust his game a little bit. Obviously, movement and defence has always been such an important foundation of his game, a weapon, really. Will that still be the case with a metal hip? I mean, I think I think he probably hopes it will be, but he might have to adjust the way he plays. And it will be fascinating to watch that happen because we know he's got such a good tennis IQ. You feel like he will figure out the best thing for him I think even watching him play doubles over these last few months you've I've sort of been reminded of how well doubles actually suits his skill set with the way he can return and the hands he's got and he can probably use them a little bit more in in singles as well Mm. Uh, I read a, a quote actually about his doubles that he said that he's looking at the Olympics very seriously now for next year and he will try to plan his year so that he's able to play doubles with Jamie and have a real run at at a medal um, in at the Olympics because it was four years ago, wasn't it, when he won singles gold um, but they lost in the first round in the doubles mm. and he was he was really gutted by, about that and he said, I, I don't think I planned my year well enough in order to to be at my best for that particular doubles, so you know it's 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 interesting on on that level, but all in all, Matt, I think it's fair to say that that was a, a pretty encouraging experience for Andy Murray watchers. I mean, yes, there's frustration they won't get to see him at the U.S. Open in the singles, but you know this is all second chance saloon stuff, isn't it? Really, because we weren't expecting this. Absolutely, it all feels like. A bonus, and I think anyone who is a little bit disappointed about the result today, probably Murray himself included, as he as he said that he was disappointed. You just have to remember what it was like only a few months ago. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't walk his dog, he couldn't tie his shoelaces, and now here he is talking about having a tennis career again, and mm. that is an extraordinary. De- change development that's happened over the course of these few months with an awful lot of hard work that he's that that he's done when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Done. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the, he, he's in Cincinnati. He's going to play doubles as well with Feliciano Lopez, which I think is another sign of, of that incremental build that he's he's putting together a bit more work on the body and he also obviously knew that he might not get very far in the singles he was watched by Feliciano Lopez and by Nick Kyrgios and the crowd his his crew his yeah, bros squad goals, um, yeah and uh, um, so that was nice and so he'll play doubles um, incidentally Jamie Murray in the doubles won through I've just seen Johanna Conta go out uh, at the hands of Rebecca Peterson and that's her second straight defeat since Wimbledon obviously she lost to Barbara Stritzover at Wimbledon she lost last week as well and then this one she was actually 1-4 and a point from 1-5 down in the final set against Peterson um, and then managed to really scramble her way back and it looked like she was going to end up winning it got edged out in the end, um, and so a couple of um, disappointing defeats really for for Conta. Um, no, no need for mass panic or anything like that. But I always think of her as a player who needs some wins and needs a bit of form, you know. And she had that great run in Rome earlier this year. She ended up taking that into the French Open, and so I think she's going to probably play again next week. Um, and, I, and I would suggest she needs to because um, she's not the sort of player you typically see come out cold into a slam and do well. Absolutely. All all Joe Conter's best results have always been preceded by a run of form just before them. Um, but this isn't usually a time of year where she has had brilliant results, is it? I'm thinking back. I think she did make that fourth round at the US Open, I think, 2015, which was which was obviously great, but it's not typically been a brilliant time of the season for her. And a couple of tricky draws. I think it was Yastremska she played in Toronto who kind of blew her off the court before she'd even had a chance to settle. And Pettersson has been in some decent form. She beat Sloane Stephens the other week, didn't she, in Washington, I think. So perhaps a couple of tricky draws there. And if she can find some wins 
next week. That yeah, that that really will set her up for the US Open. Otherwise, she'll be going in there pretty pretty cold. Indeed, indeed. Well, on my TV next to me at the moment, we've got Maria Sharapova against Alison Risk just about to start with the winner uh, to face uh, Ash Barty at the top of the draw there. We went through all the uh, the draws in some depth uh, yesterday, of course, in the tennis podcast uh, at the end of uh, Montreal and Toronto. So that one is still there if you haven't listened to it yet. That's Catherine and myself yesterday talking about everything that went on in those two tournaments. Uh, Catherine's currently on a plane on her way back to the UK. So Matt, Catherine and myself will reconvene in a week's time um, in in London, hopefully in a pub, something something like that. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Sounds great. Uh, if Catherine can be bothered, she's she was she was questioning whether she was going to bother actually, which uh, which uh, I, I'm convinced we will talk her out of. Wasn't it? Uh, wasn't and, it all dependent on whether Kyrgios Djokovic happens? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so basically, tennis gods, it's all up to you as to whether we have the presence of uh, Country Whitaker. Oh, well, I suppose it's more more up to Novak Djokovic and Nick Kyrgios, yeah, really, isn't true. it? Because the draw has done its bit. Those two now need to uh, win the uh, requisite matches fact, and we I, might get that I think match. it's mainly down to Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, it's, uh, is there anything else struck you from listening to the podcast yesterday that you were desperate to, to get out there? Matt, or you're going to save it all your thoughts and all your gems for next week well i was actually I, I mean i brought it up myself but i was very pleased you didn't mention my nishikori prediction um i felt <laughs> i felt i got off quite lightly there um but I, let's do another 20 minutes on that <laughs> is what i say um i watched i watched a bit of felix or Aliassime today and i was a little bit alarmed by his serve actually he's uh, mm. I, was, I was counting it up and he's he pretty much hit Almost as many ace, almost as many double faults as he has aces since Wimbledon. They seem to really wow. be piling up, and I think I think people did notice that his serve was perhaps a little bit of an issue earlier on in the year when, in the tight moments, his ball toss goes a bit all over the place. I think we spoke about it at Queens. Yeah, but, um, he lost six three six three to Miamir Kecmanovic mm, from Serbia. Yeah, so I think. That's something to watch out for with Felix or Jalia Seam. Obviously, he's so young and he's got loads of time to develop and he, and he can, but it's something to keep an eye on with him. Mm, sure is. Uh, and then, of course, uh, once we have finished next week's show, I've got my big interview that I'm going to tell you all about, uh, which we're going to put out next week. Uh, Matt's heard it. It's good, isn't it, Matt? We haven't told anybody who it is weird, but you've heard it, haven't you? It's very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, on, a, oh, I'm on a tight leash. I'm not allowed to tell anyone. Yes, exactly. Just you and me. That's the only people who've heard it so far. Um, so anyway, that's coming up uh, the week after. And then we've got our dailies from the US Open, of course. Catherine will be there for Amazon Prime Video. I'll be commentating for BBC Radio 5 Live in the UK. And we'll, we'll be doing nightly tennis podcasts from the Big Apple, from Flushing Meadows, every single night. Um, and we can't wait. It's so much fun. And uh, do tell your friends, if if you know somebody who likes tennis and you've enjoyed this tennis podcast, tell your mates about it, all right? Uh, get them listening. We want to get as big an audience as we possibly can, have as many contributions from yourselves. Do contact us on Twitter if you've got any thoughts. I've been getting all sorts of emails. I had some interesting emails overnight, uh, uh, Matt. I actually had a couple of people saying that they felt we'd been a bit too hard on Bianca Andreescu in terms of her uh, of how she may polarise opinion 
and uh, and felt that that that's not fair on her and because we 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 mentioned that there's a lot of drama that goes on around her now we we obviously like her a lot what what do you think quickly Are you any thoughts about bianca andreescu uh i'm i'm all in on the drama to be honest <laughs> i do think still that is her defining characteristic at the moment and i don't necessarily mean drama in a bad sense i mean that she plays dramatic matches dramatic things happen in her matches she wins in dramatic fashion and yeah i think that is what i find so exciting about it and the fact that she's managing to win what is it 10 three set matches in a row mm. she's she's demonstrating extraordinary grit and I think I put on Twitter that she's well-versed in the dark arts of winning tennis matches. And for her to have that quality at 19, I think is extraordinary. Some, so often we see players with all the shots and all the, all the ability, but they, they, haven't, they can't figure out how to put it together to win matches. Mm. But she, yeah. she has that in abundance. And I, did, I, I completely agree with you that she will divide some opinion. I think at the moment, a lot of people are loving most of what she does and quite rightly and partly because we've missed it for four or five months that it, it felt like March again this week, last week with the way she was winning and doing all the same things she was doing. So no, I, I agreed with you. I think, I think she's, she's great and definitely, definitely in the U S open mix. Is she really? That's an early call for the mix, Matt. Blimey. Well, you wouldn't be surprised if Andreescu won the US Open, would you? Won the US Open? I mean, based on form and ability, Big I don't call. think it would be a surprise. I, I, I'm not necessarily picking Big her. Big call. This is a <laughs> mammoth call I'm, from I'm Matt not, Roberts. I'm not, I'm not picking here. her to win the US Open, but I, well, I, think, she, I, I think she has to be a contender. <laughs> I think this is an enormous pick from that. Um, and uh, we're going to have this out in next week's show when we're in the pub, is all I can say. <laughs> well, was... and Matt Roberts thinks that Bianca Andreescu may well win the US Open. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. <laughs> we'll, she's not playing Cincinnati. She's pulled out of that. So we'll find out uh, how she gets on um, in the US Open. Can't wait now. Blow me. This is basically practice, isn't it, these these last two days? You've for the US Open where you're going daily you've decided to have, yes. have a little practice now with a couple I, I just, of daily I can't podcasts. get enough of it it's too, <laughs> it's too much fun um, okay well yeah so do do get your thoughts into us at Tennis Podcast uh, you can send us a, a longer message if you like via our website tennispodcast.net there's a contact form on there that you can contact us on um, we have our Tennis Podcast shop there if you'd like a, a t-shirt or a or a bag with tennis podcast written on it. Um, show your support for us. Um, we appreciate it. It's lovely when we see people wearing our t-shirts. It sounds very arrogant, doesn't it? But, but we do. <laughs> Let's be honest, we do love it. So um, yeah. Well, and um, what? Anything else I've forgotten? I don't think so. Um, other than say uh, our newsletter goes out tomorrow. So get yourself on the list for that as well. There'll be a. Uh, a link in the show notes to this particular podcast if you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter which we've delayed a day because we knew we were going to do this extra show uh so we'll we've still got to get our predictions in for this week i don't even know what mine is yet uh but anyway 
it'll be in the newsletter. So get yourself on that and you'll be receiving one weekly throughout the year and daily at the slams. And we'll be back again, as I say, in a few days' time when we meet up in London and then it's US Open time. See you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.